the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Life is a journey that requires constant navigation through crises and confrontation and chaos. And commitment to God is the only way to find true clarity in the midst of this journey. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Take your copy of God's Word and open to the book of Exodus in Exodus chapter 16. Believe it or not, we're going to cover three chapters in God's Word, Exodus 16, 17, and 18. And so grab a pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, Crayola, something that you can write with. Grab something to write on because there are some truths that I believe can transform that I want you to get from our time together. Now, deep within the human existence is this desire for freedom. It's the very thing that caused us to exist as a nation. We left Great Britain, the motherland, because of our desire to have freedom of conscience, freedom of religion. But unfortunately, we brought with us some bad practices, and some of those practices even violated freedom. So we brought with us that practice of slavery that didn't recognize that all people are created in that image of God and deserve that same freedom that they desire. So as a nation, we had to battle through, we had to journey through, and we're still on that journey, right, of what real freedom even looks like. But that doesn't just exist in this land or in other countries around the world. That's part of who we are in the image of God. In fact, the Bible describes a a people that are created and longing for freedom. We talk about this this God-shaped void that is in each of our lives. And until that void is filled, until that freedom in Christ is found, we're going to just have difficulty on this journey. This journey of life, a journey that sometimes causes us to want to quit. We grow weary. We worry through the journey. And we want to give up. Because this journey, it's not easy. And and that's why I think I just want you to get one thing out of our time together today. Three chapters, but one truth. Here it is. Life is a journey that requires constant navigation through crises and confrontation and chaos. And commitment to God is the only way to find true clarity in the midst of this journey. 
So I want to pray once more and ask God just to give us clarity in this moment. I don't know about you, but there's some areas of my life where I need wisdom. I need to hear from God. And we've got the promise that's found in James chapter 1 and verse 5 that if any of us lack wisdom, all that we need to do is ask. And God gives that to us generously. So let's ask him right now to give us those things we don't have, to teach us those things we don't know, to make us men and women that we've not yet become for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we've gathered together on this journey. And all of us are in the midst of this worldwide pandemic that has created crises and different confrontations and chaos. We need clarity from you. But Lord, the truth is in our individual lives, we have all of these things. They're crises of relationship, of health, of finance, There's confrontations that we face at work, at school, at home. And Lord, too often our lives are chaotic. We need you. So here we are with open ears, open eyes, an openness in our heart and mind ready to receive from you. So speak. We're listening. Lord, I pray that today the words I say and even my thoughts would be pleasing to you. You're my strength. You're my redeemer. And today I ask again, Lord, that that would be true of someone who hears these words. You would be their redeemer. Someone who doesn't know you. Someone who currently is headed to a life separated from you forever in a place called hell. God, would you save someone today? And Lord, for that backslidden Christian that's not advancing for your glory, would you turn their life back around? for you. And I thank you for this, Lord, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to think about those words you just heard me pray through. Crises, confrontation, chaos, commitment, and clarity. That's the journey that you see as we look at these three chapters. Now remember what's taken place. The children of Israel is, are out of Egypt. But Egypt is not out of the children of Israel, right? So they've crossed the Red Sea. We saw that in chapter 14. In chapter 15, they sang praise to God. In that moment, they recognized that God was their deliverer. In chapter 16, they face yet another crisis. Let's look at just a portion of that. Chapter 16, verse 1. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of sin. Now, this is a physical place. But let's just think about the sound of that for a moment. How many of us are journeying through the wilderness of sin? Or as it's described elsewhere in the Bible, the desert of sin. A a dry place. Uh, Remember, we're all sinners. The Bible says every one of us have sinned and fallen short of God's design and God's glory. That's why in the New Testament, we learn that we need what the children of Israel experienced in this passage in the Old Testament. We need to be passed over from the death angel. In the Old Testament, in Exodus, we find that the children of Israel were passed over if they spread the blood of an innocent lamb on their doorpost. In the New Testament, we learn that we can be passed over if the blood of an innocent lamb, the Lamb of God, Jesus, is applied to our life. And the reason that needs to be applied is because someone has to die for sin. There's always punishment for sin. And so if you today are kind of wandering through that wilderness or that desert of sin, I want you to know that God has provided a way out. He doesn't intend for you to stay there. He wants you to move forward. 
I'm so thankful we're covered by the blood of the Lamb. We're freed from the penalty, the punishment, and even the power of sin. And one day, thanks be to Jesus, we'll be freed from the presence of sin. Notice how this continues. They're journeying through the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed the land of Egypt. Now, this is just a reminder to me that God always knows the time, date, and place of our existence. You may think he's forgotten your address. He has not. He knows what time it is. He knows your need of him. Verse 2 says, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the, in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. How soon we forget the provisions of God. He had just allowed them to see the miraculous before their eyes. He had delivered them through the Red Sea. He had drowned all of the Egyptian army. He had shown them that he was willing to do whatever it takes. And here they are in this moment already forgetful. And so they grumble. They turn to Moses in complaint. Have you brought us here just to kill us? Well, what happened? We're not going to read the rest of chapter 16, but the Lord provides. Say this. Say, the Lord provides. He always does. God sent bread from heaven. Isn't that great? It's literally called bread from heaven. The people look at it. They don't know what it's called. So what do they call it? What is it? That's the translation for that word you may know from the scripture, manna. It simply means, what is it? And so God told them, hey, I'm going to provide for you every day. And you just go out and you get enough for that day. You bring it in and eat it. On Saturday, on the sixth day, you get enough for two days because I want you to rest on the Sabbath. But don't get more than enough for one day. If you do, it's just going to rot. It's going to go bad because I'm providing for you daily. Isn't it interesting in the New Testament that Jesus is called the bread of life. And isn't it interesting that in the New Testament, it's Jesus who teaches us to pray for what? Our daily bread. I want you to know that God is still a God who provides. He knows your needs. He will meet you at your point of need. He doesn't promise to meet your greeds, everything you want for the rest of your life, but he promises to meet your needs for that day. This story of the Exodus is always pointing us to Jesus. He's our deliverer. So what takes place in chapter 17? Well, it's another crisis. Let's meet the children of Israel. Verse 1. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and they camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. So in chapter 16, there was no food. Chapter 17, we find out there was no water. Therefore, the people did what? They quarreled against Moses. They complained. This is a consistent trend that's developing among the children of Israel. They are eat up with negativity. They're always complaining. They're always arguing. Oh, that that would not be said of us. I invite you to take a quick look around your little corner of the world and think about how people see you. Are you seen as someone who's never happy, who never has enough, who's always complaining, who's irritated? Maybe arguing with God. And so they said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? 
And we learned something here, that that negative attitude, that complaining spirit, we may think it's just about the things around us, what we have or what we don't have, our circumstances of life. But God may see it as testing the patience of the Lord. May that not be said of us. Why do you test the Lord? Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So here they are again. They're turning on Moses. Another crisis. Life is filled with crises, isn't it? We're in the midst of a worldwide crisis now. We're in the midst of, in our country, in America, a, a cultural crisis, it seems. Some of you are facing a health crisis. Some of you have come into this place with a career crisis or a financial crisis. Some of you are in the middle of a family crisis. And what does God do in the midst of our crises? God always provides. And so that's what he does here again. God provides. Look at verse 5. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Now, do you remember the staff? We first learned about it there at the burning bush. Now, this is not the staff of Moses. This is the pole of Paul. (laughs) Somebody, a dear friend made this for me, and he said, you know, a shepherd has his staff, so the Paul needs to have his pole. And so, um, but imagine the staff of Moses. God told him there at the burning bush, you'll use this. He would take it to Pharaoh and it would be the staff that he would cast down and it would turn into a snake. He would pick it up and it would turn back into a staff. It'd be the staff that he would touch the Nile with before it would turn to blood. And on and on again. And it would be the staff that he would use in his hand. What he had in his hand is what he would use when he would come to the Red Sea. And God would use that to perform the miraculous and part the sea. And now God's telling him, take the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Notice verse 6. Behold, I will stand before you. They're on the rock at Horeb. And you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He just used that which is in his hand. You know, as I've lived the Christian life, I've learned that that's often the way God works. 
He uses what he's already given us for our good and for his glory. On this day in 1945, a British athlete by the name of Eric Lindell passed away. You may know that name because the movie Chariots of Fire tells the story of his life. He was a gold medal Olympian, a very fast runner. After the Olympics, he would go on to be a missionary in China. But I want you to listen to what he said, probably the most famous quote of his story, what he said about his speed. He said, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Think about that. God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. He's saying, God gave me what I need to give him glory. And his life gave God such glory that a story was told about him made into a movie, and many of us know his name. What has God given you that he wants to use for his glory? What has he placed in your hands? What has he placed in your life that he intends you to use for his glory? Remember, he saved you to send you. He he delivers us so that he can develop us so that we can live for the destiny he created for us. That's the theme over and over again. If I want to go forward for the glory of God, I I look at my past and and the passion he's placed within me. and, And there I discover this purpose for which I was created. Now, interestingly, later, Numbers chapter 20 tells a story where the children of Israel would be thirsty again. And you know what God would tell Moses? Go to the right rock and strike it again, right? Wrong. Because though we want God always to work in the way he worked in the past, that's not usually what he does. God's a creative God. He's the creator and that's why in the New Testament, it would say, don't be putting new wine into the old wineskins. Again, the Scripture's consistent throughout. God's trying to teach us something. And part of what he's teaching us here is, I don't always work in the same way. So he would tell Moses, go to the rock and speak to the rock, and it will gush with water. But Moses did not listen. He was stubborn, and he took his staff, and he struck the rock. And the Bible says that this made God so angry That that act is what kept Moses from experiencing the promised land. God has given us in our hands and in our lives that which he wants us to use for his glory. But when we fail to use that according to his will, the consequences are dire. Let's continue to read verse 7. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? I wonder how many times in our lives we become impatient with God. We have circumstances, situations along the journey, crises, and we begin to think, Is God here? Does God care? Is he listening? You're in a crisis, and and though God's been faithful before, you wonder, will he be faithful again? And so you complain, and you test him. 
in your school, in your work, in your marriage, in relationships, and with your children, with your finances, even with your health. And we must be careful because even as God's provide, he's taking note of our attitude. And ultimately, he demands to be honored in our life. So I want you to think about that for a second. What message are you sending in this crisis? And let's just talk about the crisis that everybody in the world is facing. A worldwide pandemic. What message are we sending? I'm so thankful that we're a part of a church that's seeking to be wise and have the wisdom that comes from God and be safe as we can. But we're not shutting down. Because we recognize that we want to send a message loud and clear that the church is alive and that the church can thrive even in the midst of crises. And the same is true of us individually. When you go through the crises of life, you send a message. In Psalms 95, we recognize that this moment was marked in history. Listen to what it says. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof that they had not seen my work. Well, God provides. Moses strikes the rock. The water comes. God provides. The children of Israel move from crisis to confrontation. Raise your hand if you've ever found yourself in the middle of an interpersonal confrontation, conflict. Raise your hand. Okay, if you're not raising your hand, you're in conflict with me because you're not telling the truth right now. Of course you have. Nobody likes it. If you like conflict, you are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I mean, that's not smart. I would rather go out in the parking lot and eat a bowl of gravel than have conflict. But conflict and confrontation is a part of life. And the children of Israel are now experiencing confrontation. Look at verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So sometimes the battle comes from within, and sometimes the battle comes from without. Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and and go out and fight with Amalek. And tomorrow I'll stand on the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Do you remember how this story goes? We've got the, the staff again. And Moses is told by God, hey, if your hands stay up, you're going to win. But if your hands come down, you're going to lose. And the Bible says that's exactly what happened. Look at verse 11. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and and, and put it under him. And he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. What a story. The provision of God. We saw God's provision in the midst of crises, and now we see God's provision in the midst of confrontation. But in the midst of God's provision is this simple principle. We all need our hands held up from time to time. We all grow weary even in well-doing. 
That's what Galatians 6 talks about. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. And yet that's a part of our existence on this human journey. I want you to ask a couple questions today. Who do you have around you that's holding up your hands? Who do you have that's supporting you? That's coming along beside you? That's making sure your blind spots don't cause pain for yourself or for others. We're better together. You can't do this alone. You need somebody to help hold up your hands. That's why in church, we not only gather together in the big group, we encourage you to come together in what we call community groups so that you can build relationships, so that you can do life together. And that's why we encourage you to be involved in some type of discipleship journey where you've got someone that's a little further behind along you in the journey and someone a little ahead of you in the journey. You're learning and you're teaching as you go forward. Who's holding up your hands? But the second question is this. Whose hands are you holding up? What are you doing to make sure the battle is won? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.